Hello and welcome to this episode of Talking Moto. Today we're going to be talking about the Detroit Supercross that just happened over the weekend and everything that went along with it. Yeah, I was actually there in attendance. My first Supercross race I've been to since, gosh, 2019, I believe, was my last time I was at a Supercross race in uh, my hometown, sort of, of Detroit at Ford Field. So I was there all all day long from free practice throughout the main event. So And then I was able to come home. And I watched the broadcast to see if there's anything I missed, if they talked about anything on the broadcast that I saw in stadium. And that was a good thing because I, I did notice a couple things that they didn't hit that I noticed watching in person. And then obviously there is a couple things that I didn't notice in person that they had on the broadcast. So, well, normal format here, we'll be talking about the heat races. One interesting thing that they did this past weekend actually was that they did all through qualifying until the LCQs, they had them flipped. So 450 qualifying was first, then the 450 heats, 250 heats, then uh, 450 LCQ, and then 250 LCQ, with then a quick, quick, quick turnaround from the 250 LCQ to the 250 main. So the four riders that went from the 250 LCQ didn't have much time. I actually noticed Evan Ferry making his uh, Supercross debut. He won the 250 LCQ, which was good to see after he got 19th in his heat race. So he's able to come back, win his LCQ. And then I noticed... That his mechanic actually took his bike up the tunnel, probably to go refuel and get it cleaned up and ready for the LCQ. And Evan Ferry just stayed down on the floor. But that was something interesting that I noticed. That I'm I'm not sure if they talked about it on the broadcast. I missed that part, to be honest. So, also another thing, the broadcast, uh, it was good like always. Weege love Weege, but one thing I noticed was watching it back, you could definitely tell that it was on national television with some of the, I don't want to say dumbed down terminology they were using, but Weege calling the whoops a series of bumps in a row, and then really hitting on the first qualifying race of the day, second qualifying race of the day, and whatnot, and really... Hitting a triple, three jump, clearing three jumps in a row. So you could notice quite a bit that it was a nationally televised big NBC broadcast, which hopefully brought some more fans in and uh, hopefully it didn't drive any fans away. So that was really all I had on just the broadcast standpoint, was you could really tell that it was nationally broadcast. Which, I mean, it's a good thing trying to grow the sport and get more eyes on the sport and maybe some more money into the sport. So, that's always a good thing. But, one other thing I noticed was in qualifying, the 450 guys and a handful of the 250 guys were doing this as well. 
after the whoops, there was a little, it turned into just a little roller, basically. But they were jumping it and doubling into the sand. They had a little mound of sand, a little roller of sand. That was pretty close to that last roller right after the whoops. And a lot of the, all the 450 guys were jumping into the sand and clearing that first roller on the inside. Which really made that inside line the go-to line in qualifying. And then in between qualifying sessions 1 and 2 for both classes, they took that second little... They, that sand roller and they pushed it a little further into the corner so that was a whole lot harder for the riders to hit so they weren't able to double into the sand for the second qualifying or for the the typical night show that happened at 3 p.m eastern so and that was another interesting thing i think with uh big nbc coming in this weekend they wanted to switch some things up with not only the order of the races but also the start time so it was weird and I know some of the riders Chase Sexton mentioned it was weird going out first and having a track walk at 6 45 in the morning so just something different for the riders to have to adjust to and whatnot so now we're going to get into the 450 heat race uh heat one it was Great race, great racing all night long, every race really. But Webb, Cooper Webb, jumped out, good start, and it was nice to see his teammate, the rookie, Justin Cooper. He was right behind him and putting some good pressure on Cooper Webb. And the other Lawrence brother, as a lot of people probably know him, is Hunter. He finally got a good start in that heat race. He was running third for a while with Plessinger in fourth. And then Plessinger was just able to make some moves, get past Hunter, get past Justin Cooper. And then in that sand section I was just talking about, Cooper Webb going on the inside, which seemed really, really deep. The outside seemed, especially as the night went on, the outside seemed a whole lot faster. Just guys being able to carry more speed throughout the outside not have to seem like they were getting bogged down a whole lot on the inside there but Cooper Webb tips it over and oh my gosh Ford Field just about exploded you couldn't even hear the dirt bikes going around the track when Plessinger got the lead coming over the finish line jump with two minutes left in that heat race it was insane and so that that was really it for that for the heat race. Cooper Webb finished fifth place. Barsha came in. He was making quick moves in the heat race. Finished third. Justin Cooper was able to hold his own. Uh, Three point eight seconds behind Aaron Plessinger at the end, and then Hunter Lawrence was able to keep up with that good start, finishing fourth in the in that heat race and so Eli Tomac too also sixth place it's kind of bit of a foreshadowing going on for the main event with Eli there was 
There's a lot to unpack with Eli. We'll get to that when we get to the when we get to the main events. But Eli, I don't. He's not looking like the same Eli we we saw last couple years. He definitely looks like he's still trying to figure some things out. And there were some rumors going around going around on X, like I like I was saying earlier. But we'll get to that when we get to the main event where the the slide really happened. And so 450 heat 2, you had your fastest qualifier of the day, none other than Jet Lawrence and uh pulled the whole shot. Bit of a mistake him and Jason Anderson. They were they were running close together. No contact, really good fun entertaining clean racing between those two guys though. And it was really interesting to see and wonder how what was going on in their minds and Jet actually said he that race he would he loved that race and that battle with him and Jason Anderson he said he'd take that race all race long every race is just a lot of fun which they they were going fast they were making there was three laps in a row where it was just one corner, Anderson makes a quick pass. Two corners later, Jet's back in the lead. Three corners later, Anderson ran Jet a little high. It was going into the whoops, I believe. Ran him a little high, no contact. Jet just left the door open. Anderson saw that door cracked a little bit and kicked that sucker down. And uh, he took over first, not for very long. Uh, Jet was able to get back in front, and uh, Ken Roxon he started coming up, joining the joining the the battle there, and ended up actually in the whoops on the last lap was able to pass Anderson, take second place in the heat race right behind Jet, just three point three seconds behind Jet. And then there was Anderson right there. And Chase Sexton with a quiet fourth place. Not the best of starts. But doesn't really matter, I guess, when you make it straight to the main event after your heat race. And so all, all those guys, Jet, Ken, Jason, Chase, Malcolm Stewart, all of those guys, both heat races, for the 450 riders, they had a long time to sit around and just wait until the main event. And so, Chase mentioned it in the press conference where he wasn't a big fan of it with how long it was. He said it would have been one thing if the 450 main event was first, like they were doing with the entire day schedule. But that is that with the 450 heat races so now we're going to get into our 250 east coast riders making their season debuts all of them except one of them i forget exactly who it was but one of them actually did ride a 450 last week and uh just to get a little bit of seat time and some gate drops but everyone else making their season debut Hayden Deegan coming off 
of a wrist injury. He was kind of held a little bit of a secret for a while. The Deegan camp and the Star Racing Yamaha camp kept it under wraps. Didn't really say too much. They mentioned on the broadcast that the team to get to start testing the strength in his wrist. They first put him out there on a pit bike. See how it went. He came in, said no pain, nothing. Then they put him on that on the 250 and he he went out there hitting all the rhythms, cleaning all the jumps. And so he never I guess he never really had a problem. And so, but didn't have a problem with his wrist in Detroit, but he had a problem with Tom Vial in the main event even though well, we'll get to that when we get to that too. But uh, Chance Hymas, 250 Heat 1. Chance Hymas comes out, whole shot. Second year guy, kind of a rookie still a little bit with uh, coming off injury last year. Didn't get to race as much as he wanted to, I'm sure, but still pulls the whole shot. And mistake, he makes a mistake in the sand. And then uh, Cameron McAdoo riding balls to the wall, letting it all hang out. I'm sure you've all seen the pictures on X of that first turn pile up. Bit of a, what is it called, wardrobe malfunction. He had his, had his little fellas hanging out for the rest of the race. So, but uh, McAdoo was able to get by chance. Chance Hymas started falling back a little bit. Not too bad, though. He's just making little mistakes that he couldn't recover from. And then Hayden Deegan was able to get by. And Tom Vial was able to get by. So 250 East, Heat 1. Chance Hymas just kind of settled into fourth. Rode his race. Didn't He didn't drop too far down in the Heat race. He just maybe a little learning still and whatnot but only dropped down to fourth which is which is good to see out of the rookie and uh let tom vl got by him too and cameron mcadoo takes 250 heat one and they interviewed hayden after the race as well and just a little subtle jab at chance saying how hayden saying how him and mcadoo Got by Chance Hymas pretty quickly. Maybe just trying to play mind games already. I know last year he was trying it with Hunter Lawrence. And Hunter said it's only mind games if you let your mind go there. And you take the bait. And Hayden's just saying what his dad tells him to say and all that. So it'll be interesting to see how if he tries to play more head games as the season goes on. But we had a scary incident at the end, the last lap of the 250 Heat 1. Jeremy Martin in the whoops. Bike goes sideways, gets kicked off, smacks the back of his head on the face of one of the whoops and gets knocked out cold. He He was able to be alert going off on the stretcher able to wait give a wave to the crowd which was good to see and then his team manager Mike uh geez 
Bonats, Bonacy. Might have butchered that big time. But he came out and said um, he should be ready to line up in Arlington in two weeks when 250 East is back in action after this little break that they're getting here. And uh, Jeremy Martin came out and said concussion, resting at home. Very thankful for the Alpine Star medical crew that was able to get to him so fast. So that was good to see. He is... He's doing as good as you can after a scary crash like that. So never want to see that from any of the riders, you know, out there risking a lot for our entertainment. So good good news. He's as good as he can be with a concussion. Um, and he should be back in the next couple weeks here. So we're going to move on now to uh, Heat 2 for the 250s. And... One guy wasn't really talked a whole lot about was the, I I memorized his age because he said it so much on the podium, 25-year-old Austin Forkner on that Monster Energy Kawasaki team, comes out, gets the whole shot, and just doesn't look back, able to just ride his ride. He looked, from what I could tell, he looked very controlled, in control at all times. Never seemed to be pushing it too hard. He had a good gap all race long, wire to wire. And so he was he was the winner, nothing really crazy for him. He had one sketchy moment in the whoops, that was really about it. But other than that, he just rode his race, did what everyone thought he was going to be able to do. When he first came into Monster Energy Supercross and Pro Motocross, he's, he had the speed, was just able to ride his race and just do what he wants, really. And also, uh, you had Pierce Brown in this race, your fastest qualifier for the 250s. He put a hard pass, emphasis on hard, 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 hard pass on Triumph's own Jalik Swole. Triumph obviously making their debut this weekend with Jalik Swole and Evan Ferry. Both of them able to make the main, which is good news. Good for the the English brand that's brand new here to Supercross in America. But Pierce Brown punts Jalik Swole, right? Off the track. Julie Swole is a, was able to still get up. Get that last qualifying spot. P9. So. Good. Technically first triumph. To make a main event. Even though his teammate Tim Ferry. Or not Tim Ferry. That's his dad. Teammate Evan Ferry. Was able to also make the main. After he wins his LCQ. Like I mentioned earlier. And then running around for the. 10 minutes that they had before the main event but 250 big big action came in the main event not a whole lot of crazy stuff in the uh in the heat races but one one thing that did happen in the uh lcq for the 450 was freddie norin 
He was sitting fifth, last lap, coming in through the whoops. I think it was Jeremy Hand. He was right behind, who was in fourth place. Freddie Noren and Jeremy Hand make a mistake at the exact same time. Only good news for Freddie Noren is he was on the inside going into the sand, which was, it went whoops, sand left hand, and then finish line right there. So Freddie Noren on the inside, he's made his mistake into the sand and able to get that last qualifying position to go to the main event for the night. That was really the only only thing that happened in the LCQ besides uh, Justin Hill winning it. There was uh, Mitchell Harrison from Lansing, Michigan, home race for him. He had the lead for a little bit. Crowd was loving that because they were talking about how he was from Michigan and close to the Detroit area the all day long through qualifying and whatnot. So that was really good to see. But that that wraps it up really for all the all the qualifying races at least. So now there is a lot to unpack here. We're going to start here again with the 250 main event. Short lap times. They ran 21 laps. They were running mid 40. The average time was mid 45s to 46s lap times. So it was it was a short track. A lot of the riders were saying it was the layout was pretty basic, but it it got chewed up a lot and got really rough and ruddy. So the track was definitely still challenging, especially that sand section and the whoops. So 250 main event starts. Gate drop. Start straight. And half your field is laying on the ground. It, From what I could tell, it looked like Seth Hamaker got a little sideways, went into Tom Vial, and that just started a domino effect. Tom Vial actually flies off his bike, goes, his body smokes Hayden Deegan's bike, and then a couple other bikes, his back of his head hits the front number plate of a bike, and then just goes flying off the track, Evan Ferry, 10 minutes after winning his LCQ, making it to his first main event, he did not make it past the first turn, wasn't able to continue riding, Seth Hamaker also wasn't able to continue, those were the only two who couldn't continue after that crash, Hamaker was a a bike problem, looked like bent bars, speaking of bent bars, Hayden Deegan, his throttle hand was at like a 45 degree angle difference from his left hand, and so that's, that's very impressive that he was able to fin- not only finish that race, but he was still able, he got 16th, obviously not what he wants coming into round one, but 
after being involved in that crash, 16th is more points than 22nd, which is zero. So he's still able to salvage some points. And like I mentioned, Hayden Deegan was a little upset with Tom Vial. I don't think Tom Vial did anything wrong. Just wrong place, wrong time. And Hayden Deegan came around on his second lap, giving the old uh, middle finger. Can't sugarcoat it. I was trying to think of a funny nickname or word for it. it is the middle finger. Tom Vial. Tom Vial, from what I saw in the stadium, it did not look like Tom Vial knew where he was for a little bit. Because he crashes, he's off the side of the track, and he, he gets up, and he and it looked like he was just, just he looked lost, to be honest. He was kind of running around, ran up to his bike, saw his bike, did a couple just standing still, just spun around a couple times. It looked like he lost his goggles, so I don't know maybe if he was looking for his goggles or what he was doing, but he... Did not seem like he was in a good headspace, especially after seeing the replay that I saw with him hitting the back of his head on the number plate of a different bike and then going flying off track after being carried on the front of a bike, two bikes actually. So he's spinning around by his bike and then he saw McAdoo and Hammaker's bike all tied up. He was watching that for a little bit, and then he started to walk over there. And then he, he turned around, got jumped back on his bike, started it up, and off he went. And 18th, finished 18th, only did 18 laps. But, yeah, he, hope, I mean, hopefully he was okay. He, I, was, I guess he was okay to ride, so I don't know if that's makes it not as bad I but it was, it was definitely a, a weird weird couple, couple seconds watching him from afar just kind of spinning around and looking around and whatnot. so anyway we get we get past the first corner Austin Forkner holds pulls the whole shot like he did in the first heat race, or the second heat race. And Chance Hymas, another good start from the young kid. He was holding Forkner in check for a whole lot of the race. And Chance Hymas was really strong in the first half of the race. And then seemed like in the second half, maybe a little tired or something, but made some mistakes I know he went down once so he ended up in 10th which starting in second never want to go from 2 to 10 so hopefully he can figure out what went wrong there and during these next couple weeks off he'll be able to uh, be able to fix fix the problems and move on and come back stronger and Arlington, Texas for their next round. But 
Then you had veteran, another guy, Max Anstey. Not too bad of a start. Like I said, really, if you were... I think there was 11 riders, maybe 12, 13 riders that made it out of that, or that avoided that big first turn pileup. And so if you made it through there, you probably weren't going to drop very far back because guys were laying on the ground still after the first lap. And so, but Max Anstey gets into second, said he was going to try and put in a little bit of a charge on Forkner, but he just couldn't do it. Forkner said he saw Anstey get into second, and so then he said he had to put in a couple heater laps to try and maintain that gap that he created, that good gap that he created. And then Max Anstey brought along Supercross debut Daxton Benick for P3, first uh, I can't remember where I saw this, but I think it was the first podium debut since Adam Cincerulo back uh, 2016, maybe, was it? I can't remember off the top of my head, but I know it was Adam Cincerulo who was the last one to podium. In his Supercross debut. And now Daxon Benick was able to do that. On that uh, Monster Energy Star Racing Yamaha bike. Able to obviously beat his teammate. In Hayden Deegan. After everything went wrong. And the first corner for him. So. Mentioned it earlier. Seth Hamaker, or not Seth Hamaker, excuse me. Cameron McAdoo, wardrobe malfunction. Posted a video of him reacting to it. And said hundreds of thousands of people just got to know me a whole lot better. Probably not what he was hoping for. Not a good, not a good look with them hanging out. So, might have to give a call to Fox and figure out if they can put some figure out if they can put some uh, extra extra fabric down there for next race so we don't get that situation. Also, hopefully we don't get the same first turn pileup situation. But uh, I mentioned um, Evan Ferry earlier. His teammate on that new Triumph, Jaleek Swole, was able to get sixth. He was also able to escape the pileup unlike his teammate and that it's a it's a pretty slick looking black dirt bike they had out there with especially with the the bright highlighter yellow or whatever gear that they them two were wearing it's easy to spot them the one and only black bike out there with the the brightest gear as well making their season debuts and their manufacturer debut. So Triumph, they got to be excited about what Jaleek Swole was able to do. They also got to be excited for what Evan Ferry was doing the whole day until he was just, like a lot of these guys, wrong place, wrong time. I mean, you could say bad start. 
but unable to escape the first turn pile up and Austin Forkner touched on it he said those were the exact place he was in last year just get a better start that maybe doesn't happen and obviously Saturday night in Detroit Forkner two great starts two hole shots two wire to wire wins in his heat race and also in his main event and so obviously first race of the year he's now going to be your points leader and you got to think he's got a good chance to win this championship too especially with a lot of the a lot of the big dogs going down in that first corner with McAdoo being down there Hayden Deegan being down there Tom Vial I'm excited to see how much he's progressed from year one in Supercross to now year two. He was doing pretty good all day long. I was watching him. He was doing pretty good in qualifying. He was doing good in his heat race as well. And he just got got caught up in that first turn crash. So hopefully we can see what his progression is and see if him, Deegan, and McAdoo can maybe bounce back that's what we're looking for if they can bounce back a little bit coming up here in two weeks in Arlington so now 450 main event like I said those guys who qualified straight out of the uh, heat races they had a long time to sit, especially the guys who qualified Heat 1 because they were the first race of the night, like Plessinger, Cooper, Barsha, Hunter Lawrence, Cooper Webb. Also, now that I'm looking at this, this first Heat race results, Plessinger wins his Heat race, Gets sixth in the main event. Justin Cooper, second place in the heat race. Gets ninth. Your top your top heat one guy was Cooper Webb, who got fifth in his heat race, and he ended with fourth on the night. So you just you I mean you gotta think, did the long wait do anything to these guys? Like Justin Barsha, third place in the heat race, twelfth in the main event. Like it, it. There could be, there could be something to that, and seeing how long they had to sit around and wait. Hunter Lawrence, fourth in the heat race, eighth in the main event. So, your top three in the main event all came from heat two, and your top one in the main event, your number one guy. The 20-year-old first rider this year to win multiple races. Jet Lawrence pulls the whole shot. And that was... He had one sketchy moment in the rhythm lane. Rhythm lane, excuse me. Right after the finish line. Where he kind of endowed... On a tabletop, kind of like they do for opening ceremonies. He did that. 
not on purpose this time and then had to roll the next two jumps. But no harm, no foul. He was able to just kind of, besides that, he did what we saw in A1 and what we saw all summer long. Good start and just maintains that gap that he had. So, and then uh, we're going to talk about the correlation between uh, Heat 1 and your main event finishers, finishes, excuse me, Cooper Webb, Aaron Plessinger, both Heat 1, both bad starts. They both had to work up through the field. I know in the interview after, Plessinger said him and Webb were right next to each other off the start and they were they were charging through the field all all together at the same time trying to get the same guys but Ken Roxon also not the best of starts mid pack start like he kept saying and he was able to fight all the way up there to third place he's riding really good on that Suzuki of his that RMZ four fifty progressive x-star suzuki that he's got he he's found something he's getting uh you could call it a little bit of bad luck on first turns you could also call it bad starts seems like every time he gets up on the podium he's always saying starts bad start mid-pack start so He's he's got to figure out if he wants to get a get a win like he got last year in Indianapolis. If he wants to get another win, he's gonna have to go out pull a whole shot like he did in Indianapolis. He's known for his first couple lap speed that he's got. It's gonna be a whole lot harder this year with Jet Lawrence because he's also known for his speed and he can just like that turn it up and boom but he's he's gonna have to figure out his starts eventually i think it it might be might be the detriment to his championship hopes which i mean if you're looking at it now he's he's already kind of kind of losing losing touch in the in the championship he is 77 points so he's 21 back at Chase Sexton right now who was able to take the red plate I'm really just kind of bouncing all over the place here yikes I gotta figure this out and reel it back in so last thought on Ken Roxon he's riding good I think he'll win a race I think we could get gosh six winners this year maybe even seven if Eli can figure himself out so but now that now that we're on Eli might as well talk about him good start real good start up in third place it was him third chase second jet first and he looked like Eli that is looked like he was on a charge earlier early in the race and I was sitting there thinking Eli's gonna win this race he's gonna he's gonna get by Chase and he's gonna catch 
Jet, and we're going to get the battle we've all wanted to see. Dry track. Jet Lawrence, Eli Tomac. Thought we were getting that this week, but the rumor going around is he had a rear shock problem. I haven't seen anything confirmed. I it would I feel like it'd help him out a lot if they just came out and said, Hey, this is what happened. This is why I fell back, so people like me and people like you aren't sitting there speculating and thinking, um, is Eli done? Honestly, I think this is going to be his last year if it keeps going like this. I don't see him coming back next year, but we'll get to that later down the road in a couple months here. But Anderson, back to the back to the main event here. Uh, Anderson made a pretty big mistake. Plessinger was able to get by him, not for very long though. Anderson was able to get Plessinger back and finished fifth one spot in front of Plessinger by a little less than a second so it was close and uh, up front Sexton tried to put in a little bit of a push and then he made a mistake in the whoops got a little sketchy there and then that's when I, I noticed he really started closing the gap it was right, also right around the time where Jet made his little mistake in the rhythm after the finish line. Chase also was starting his push there. He was cutting into the gap big time. It was took it from around five to around five seconds. That is to around two seconds. Able to really cut into that, and then just kind of made that mistake. Fell back. Cruised into a second place finish. Getting that red plate back that he started the season with. With his second place finish. And uh, one thing I also noticed was Ken Roxon was also making a big push towards Chase. Around the same time, or probably about just before uh, Chase started his push on Jet and Ken had this line come in the rhythm before the whoops he was singling way up high into that right hand turn almost jumping into the tough blocks and then just ripping the outside getting to about the middle of the turn and then turning down right away and then flying up the far right side of the whoops and then like I mentioned earlier I think the outside of that sand section was a lot faster Ken Roxon the only guy I noticed taking that outside all race long every lap long it just seemed like he was gaining a lot of time on Sexton there Sexton and Jet Lawrence were both taking the inside in that section the whole time. And another thing I noticed was about midway through the race, Cooper Webb was close on Roxon, and he had Anderson, Plessinger, and Eli was right there at the time too. Everyone started following Roxon 
on that far outside, and then there was a bit of a gap, and then the very, I can't remember who it was, but it was the very next person that then went inside. But there was about four or five riders who were all following Roxon through the outside of that sand, and they were all catching up to Jet and Chase because them two were the consistently taking the inside of that sand and just seemed like it wasn't working out the best but obviously it works out pretty good when Jet Lawrence wins taking the inside of the sand the whole race but yep that's that was Detroit back in Motor City where the fans loved Plessinger after that heat race win he made that pass on Cooper Webb that was right in front of us we were sitting uh, right in or right behind or in front or whatever of that uh, of the sand section and the finish line right where Cooper Webb tipped it over and boy did it get loud for him when he made that pass when he won every time he was interviewed after that race opening ceremonies crowd went crazy for him and then even with the 6th place finish, got interviewed by Jason Thomas in stadium and on the TV. And stadium was probably half empty, but that was still... Everyone got loud for Aaron Plessinger, even with a half-empty stadium, finishing 6th place. Uh, so that's always good to see, crowd favorite. But the crowd favorite did have to give up the red plate to your defending champion, Chase Sexton, with Jet Lawrence just one point back. Shows how how big those crashes are or were at Anaheim 2 in the Triple Crown because Jet would have had the red plate going into tonight. And so then he would have kept it tonight also. Or tonight. My mind's back on Saturday. This is Monday. Um, Jet would have had the red plate Saturday. Would have kept it after Saturday night. I'm I'm assuming based on math, really. Not the best math student, but he would have kept it beating Chase. Um, So now Sexton's got it. Going into Glendale, the track layout out there looks pretty, pretty sweet. Um, obviously, it's a bigger floor than Ford Field has, so they're able to do a little bit more with the track. And it's always it's always cool to see how they incorporate the. Um, see how they incorporate that little cutout where the football field goes in and out of the stadium it's always cool to see what they do there and I'm trying to find the the track map, track map here on Supercross Live the website but I can't can't seem to find it so I was trying to pull that up because I saw I saw the track earlier it looked looked really cool 
actually. So, oh, here we are. Racer X. Thank you. And this is an alphabetical order. What's the name? Holy smokes. State Farm Stadium. Oh, I just saw Birmingham. I'm excited to see what they come up with there. There is no track map here. Okay. Sweet. Um. Oh, track maps. Here we go. Now we're getting somewhere. Now we're cooking with gas. Also, something something I noticed was Vince Freezy gone. Wasn't at the race this weekend. Not sure why. Couldn't find anything there. I had my head research team was looking at it during qualifying. That being my dad on a quick Google search. He couldn't find anything. So interesting to see Vince Freezy was gone. But yeah, now I'm looking at the track map here for Arizona. And it's interesting the start line is or the starting gate is in the middle of the track but it's still a pretty long start straight about the length of a football field and they make a quick left hand turn and then two separate sand sections going across the start straight there's a sand section and then a little turn and then uh was that a left hand turn go across the start straight and then another little sand section so it's also interesting uh, Adam Cincerulo brought it up on his podcast the dirt works they're limited to nine whoops that's all that can be in one whoop section and they are dozer built so they're smaller and uh, they claim it's for safety but who knows this track here looks looks very interesting so wouldn't wouldn't surprise me if we see jet build on this momentum he had we'll see the 250 west come back into play where we will have two um points leaders with levi kitchen and jordan smith both have both sharing the red plate so my prediction next week I think we see Jet win it again, get the red plate back, and I think we'll see in the 250, I think we'll see the chef, Levi Kitchen, take a stronghold on that points championship for them. So that'll do it. That'll wrap us up here. And uh, go ahead, go on X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it talking underscore moto um that's the account trying to grow it give it a follow give it a repost give it some comments let me know what you think let me if you got predictions let me know what your predictions are love to hear it and uh thanks for listening see you next week